Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee. The opening bell brought to you by SEI. Today's competitive marketplace requires asset managers to become more operationally adept. Imagine transforming your business with SEI's global platform at SEIC.com slash IMS. Stocks are lower at the open. The S&P 500 is down four-tenths percent or seven points at 2089. Dow Jones Industrial Average down four-tenths percent or 76 points to 17,711. The Nasdaq's down four-tenths percent or 19 points to 49.29. Ten-year Treasury up 9.30 seconds. The yield 1.81 percent. The yield on the two-year 0.87 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2.2 percent or a dollar eleven to 47.99 a barrel. COMEX gold little change down six. 60 cents to 12.16.90 an ounce. The euro, $1.1169, again, 109.18. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Well, we have uh, news from GM, and it is not good. This is like Ford, not Chrysler. Yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. GM May auto sales fell 18%. Wow. Forecast was for a 13% Ford and GM come in uh, much worse yeah. than forecast. Only Daimler, uh, oh, Daimler, it's the old one, Fiat Chrysler. Uh, yeah. It is, without question, the most anticipated Beltway book of the season. If you are into international relations, the book cover alone is the book cover of the year. Julia Swag with us. Everybody knows I how I adore picture there. her second edition <laughs> book. Did they Photoshop in Air Force One on your new third edition? Tom, is that a real photo? It is a real photo, and what's astonishing about it is you see Air Force One hovering into on its way to the Havana Airport. Yeah. The color scheme of Air Force One, you know, is a kind of like teal, blue, blue and yeah. white. The photo, the the neighborhood of is the two covered beat up cars. with blue yeah. cars. And yeah. people wearing blue shirts, and it looks photoshopped, and Great. the palette looks like it was selected by an artist. It's I, a photographer I, from Reuters. Yeah, it's, uh, from Reuters. Well, congratulations. Just absolutely superb. The third edition, not out yet. Um, I will be all over uh, Twitter. This is the John's one volume. John's standing in line already. Yeah, the one yeah. volume on Cuba. There's just no for buts about it. I want to cut to the chase. This is a really important half hour. You are consulting to big shots who want to put millions into Cuba. Do they have their heads screwed on, which will provide for stability of a nascent capitalism, or is this going to be a mess? Well, I am doing some consulting, it's true, um, and that's been for the last couple of years. It's moved from the back burner to the front burner because the commercial opening is possible. I think it, the answer to your question is that it ranges And it ranges because while there are some American companies who understand that this is a long-term process, there are other American companies who want to get in and want to have the cake baked already, want to have all the ingredients mixed together properly. And what they're finding both in Washington and Havana is that the regulatory and political and policy bureaucracies are used to saying no to one another. And they have to figure out how to start saying yes to one another. And um, that's taken a long time. Well, as I understand, one of the big holdups is that – the Cubans want what they want, not what U.S. business wants. And they want it done their way, not the way U.S. business is used to doing things. 
Right, because what what I found, and I write about this in the book, but it's true in the business space, there's this incredible sense of exceptionalism in the United States in American foreign policy, and Cuba shares that. Cuba thinks Cuba is special. The United States thinks the United States is special. And so each is coming at the other with an assumption that you should meet me more than halfway. And that's very tough to deal with from the American perspective from a tiny little island country that ought to be saying, oh, you're an American business, then I'll change. Cuba is not in the habit of changing for the United States because the United States or an American business asks it to. But what we've found is that um, little by little, American companies can begin to change the way Cuba does business, but it's not overnight. What do the Cubans want? I mean, the Americans go down there and they say, well, God, they need hotels, they need roads fixed, they need the Internet, uh, all kinds of things that we take for granted here in the U.S. But what is Cuba actually asking for? Cuba, you're, you're right, that the, the tourism industry, infrastructure, telecommunications, they're asking for those things, although in telecom it's a little bit more modulated. Um, what they're asking for on paper is foreign investment. What they're demanding in the interactions is um, that Americans adapt to their laws and regulations. And they don't, that what that means concretely is, for example, if the Americans say, well, we want to hire your labor directly, the Cubans say, well, we have a you know hiring mm-hmm. hall kind of agency process, and that's not how it's done. But if you want to try, we can maybe experiment with a pilot program mm-hmm. and adjust in that way, but not whole cloth overnight. And who's joining us, Julia Swag, third edition out soon, Cuba, what everyone needs uh, to know. Uh, can't convey enough. It's the one volume on Cuba. The majesty of your book is you take me out of Havana. There's other parts of Cuba. Heaven forbid it's a big island. Elaine, who's my travel consultant, says Trinidad is a place to go. It's on the southern shore of Cuba. Is the nascent American capitalism or European capitalism in Cuba, is it about Havana, 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 or are they going to actually develop across the island? Well, it is focused on Havana right now. I mean, if Havana were an American city, it would be the sixth or seventh largest city in the United States. Most of the population of Cuba is concentrated in Havana. And because of the nature of American travel policy, that is, the travel ban does not still exist. So when Americans travel there, they can't travel as tourists. So the concentration of interest definitely is in Havana. But when you talk about um, the tourism industry, at least, you do see an interest and an, an expansion of the tourism infrastructure throughout the island, not as far east as one would like, but definitely as far as Trinidad and the center of the country. But Havana is where it's mainly focused for now. Uh, let's take it to our specialty, economics here. Uh, outside of tourism, what's Cuba's comparative advantage? What what can that economy do uh, opened up to the world. What what Cuba what Cuban wants to do is to take their value added in the human capital space. So, for example, their science and technology uh, sector is very small but quite advanced. In biotech and pharmaceuticals, very small but quite advanced. What they want to try to do outside of tourism is leverage the the medical, the public health and the other kind of brain capacity that the country has invested in for the last 50 years. So you'll see, for example, in the Marielle 
uh, port zone, which we should talk about. Uh, there are special opportunities there for an investment that does emphasize the potential for call centers, for example, and other yeah. uh, human-based. In 30 work. seconds, and we'll come back, what's the game theory response of the rest of the Caribbean? What are the other islands, countries, nations, how are they responding to this? Well, they're freaking out in a lot of ways because Cuba dominates in terms of the size of its economy and the capacity of Even its Even after the years of lethargy? Well, yeah. yes, because you could call it lethargy, but they have invested quite a bit in their human capital, and they mm. have functioning institutions, which can't be said writ large across the region. Again, I come back to tourism because it's the most obvious one. There's a an an effort now at multi-destination tourism, so to attract people to, that will go on cruises or by planes from country to country in the Caribbean. Cuba, politically, diplomatically, and economically, is trying to manage that because they're no. the asymmetries in the other direction. Okay, let's come back. Julia Swig with us. Thank you so much for your comments on this. Cuba, what everyone needs to know, the second edition out, don't buy it. The third edition will be coming out in a <laughs> matter a of weeks. Yeah, no. Matter of weeks. Two the weeks. movie rights have been sold. Look for the movie. Fourth of July, 2018. Julia Swag will continue in a moment. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. A French ship has picked up signals that may be from the black boxes of an Egypt airplane that crashed last month in the Mediterranean. All 66 people on Egypt Air Flight 804 were killed. The flight was heading from Paris to Cairo when the Airbus A320 went down May 19th. It's Russia's biggest crackdown ever on hackers that target banks. Russian police have arrested 50 members of an alleged cyber crime ring accused of stealing more than the equivalent of $45 million from banks. A New Jersey doctor says a baby girl born to a mother with the Zika virus appears to be affected by the disease. Officials at Hackensack University Medical Center say an ultrasound last week revealed birth defects. The 31-year-old mother from Honduras delivered the child by C-section yesterday. The Obama administration is calling on the food industry to make foods less salty. It's proposing voluntary sodium guidelines, an effort to prevent thousands of deaths each year from heart disease and stroke. Health and Human Services Secretary Sylvia Matthews Burwell. In terms of what we're doing is creating a situation where the consumer's in control. If that consumer wants to add more sodium, they're going to be able to do it. What the consumer can't do now is take it out of the product and have real knowledge about it. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And Michael, thanks so much. Julia Swag's second edition. But since 2008, it appears Fidel has agreed to stay out of Raul's way and quietly back his decisions. We'll get an update with Julia Swag next. Coming up on Friday, the jobs report. Will it give the Fed the all-clear for a rate increase? Join us here on Surveillance. Bill Gross of Janice will join us as well. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Pershing's Insight 2016, the must-attend event for advisors less than one week away, June 7th through the 9th. If you haven't registered, you still can. Visit Insight2016.com. That's I-N-S-I-T-E-2016.com. Stocks are moving lower amid evidence of sluggish global growth while investors await a report on manufacturing activity in the world's biggest economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The S&P 500 down half percent down 10 points to 2086. Dow Jones Industrial Average down six tenths percent or 106 points to 17,680. The Nasdaq's down four tenths percent or 21 points to 49.27. Ten-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds. The yield 1.80 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.86 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2.3 percent or a dollar ten to 48 dollars a barrel. COMEX gold little changed up 20 cents to 12.17.60 an ounce. The euro is at a dollar eleven seventy. The yen one oh nine point two five. And General Motors and Ford vehicle sales fell more than analysts had estimated in May. GM sales plunging eighteen percent, missing estimates for a thirteen percent drop. With all four brands reporting declines of at least fourteen percent, Ford's light vehicle sales slid six point one percent compared with an average estimate for a four point nine percent decline. Fiat Chrysler saw May U.S. auto sales rise up one point one percent. Well, analysts. We're looking for a decline there as well. Under Armour, meanwhile, down 5.4% this morning. Nike is down 2.2%. This after Sports Authority, the Sports Authority liquidation and competition in the footwear market raised concerns about the athletic apparel giants. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Cuba, what everyone needs to know, the third edition out in three weeks. It is the Bible, the one-volume read on Cuba. Julia Zweig of... uh, uh, Texas and uh, working with corporations as they consider Havana in Cuba is with us uh, this morning. Uh, we all get Fidel, we all get Raul, and then there's what? Who is the president? Who is our political leadership speaking to one year, five years, ten years in Cuba? Well, Raul Castro steps down in the beginning of 2018. And he has indicated that his successor is now the first vice president of the Council of State. His name is Miguel Diaz-Canel. He's in his 50s, so next generation. Right. Been minister of higher education, been sort of effectively a governor of two provinces. Uh, he's not well-known, starting to travel. Starting yeah, but you're Julia's wife. You're best friends with him. No, is he I'm on board? Not. Is he, is he in, in the loop with President I've never Obama? met him. Okay, for the record. Him, well, that's interesting in itself. You've never right. met the heir apparent. The heir apparent has begun to meet with some members of Congress. Um, is he a Marxist, a Leninist? Is he you don't know until, I mean, no, look, his training is Marxist-Leninist. What he is is a nationalist and a socialist, and that means I think he fundamentally believes in his DNA that the purpose of capital accumulation and growth and economic development is to serve the people, not to concentrate wealth in the hands of a few, right? That's the essence of the Cuban Revolution's view of capitalism today. Um, his... Uh, He's going to have to govern much more collectively. He's going to deal with the economy being concentrated very largely in the hands of the military, which may make people uncomfortable. But the military in Cuba 
is the least corrupt institution in the country and the least, the most effective in terms of management. Because when Raul Castro was head of the armed forces, he sent a bunch of his people coming back from Angola and other foreign deployments to go abroad and retool themselves as managers and accountants and figure out how to run an economy with capitalist business practices. So the military and this gentleman, Miguel Diaz-Canel, will together have a great deal of power. But look, five years, ten years down the road, I don't think we can predict what the politics in Cuba looks like. Is it going to be multi-party democracy? Unlikely. Well, uh, have they institutionalized any kind of governmental system, or has it all been based on the Castros and the cult of personality? Well, under Fidel, it was very focused on his personality. And, of course, there's cabinet ministries and agencies and a whole probably too much of a government bureaucracy. What has happened under Raul, he said it very clearly, is in order to make this thing last once we're gone, we have to institutionalize, meaning he has put a lot more authority and line authority from the top to the bottom to cabinet ministries, agencies. Um, it looks like a government, talks like a government, walks like a government, and taken the Communist Party much uh, out of daily running of the affairs and put it kind of in an, uh, a, a more ideological uh policy role than a day-to-day government role. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, the answer is there's plenty of government there. What Raul has done is actually cut it back. Consolidated ministries tried to get rid of some of it because because the state payroll had been enormous. Does the economy work? Can they continue on? I mean, uh, if they want to be socialist, great for them, but uh, that hadn't worked out for anybody else. Right. So now what they're trying to do is bring in a mix. It's moving toward a mixed economy. So you keep the lucrative or capital earning parts of the economy in state hands, but allow private sector to grow with a lot of pushback, actually, from the population, which on the one hand wants to have small businesses, wants the government to get out of the way, and on the other hand is kind of terrified about not being able to lean on all of those freebies that it got for so long. So parts of the economy function okay, but parts of it really, really don't. And I think that you know anybody looking objectively would ask yourself, well, where do you start? If you want to have a functioning market economy with a reasonably modest state sector, and a tax system so that you can finance spending on health and education, how do you start? Do you rip off the Band-Aid mm-hmm. fast? Do you do it in provinces that is a pilot program without the kind of political and social upheaval that we've seen in other parts of the world? Let me ask the question that, you know, Mike's got some smarter questions than me, but the basic question every parent has, the kids go, we're going to Havana. Jamaica's old news. Turks and Caicos is old news, et cetera, et cetera. Dr. Zweig, is it safe? Very safe. Very, very safe. I mean, I, I, look, I've been traveling there since I was myself 19 years old, and it is compared to other capital cities everywhere in Latin America that I've been enormously mm. safe. In fact, I, a couple of data points, Harvard University's school, year, school exchange programs uh, the most popular place is not Paris anymore. It's Havana. The numbers of American yeah. universities that are sending kids exactly. for semester programs is incredible. The Cubans can barely absorb it. The demand is so high. Every time I go there, I run into kids from universities all over the country. 
What's the most important thing for American business to know or understand about Cuba now? They read about the embargoes being, uh, I mean, the embargo is still in place, but the president's opening to Cuba, uh, and they want to do business and they see a market. What do they need to know? The most important thing they need to know is that Cuba has made the political decision to open up to the United States on the economic side of the ledger, on the commercial side of the ledger. But that political decision doesn't translate rapidly into the know-how and the capacity to get that done. There's enormous opportunity in Cuba. Cuba needs pretty much everything, and Cuba is, or the United States for Cuba, is a natural market. So the the disposition is to try to get to yes, but the habits and no. the skepticism still are at no in many spaces there. Tell the us about the new oh, – go ahead, Mike, please. Well, I'll just say the most important question for Tom is um, how are they going to deal with uh, baseball and uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, letting the Red Sox sign uh, Cuban baseball players? Very fraught. You know, the Cubans don't want to lose their, their precious commodity, which is, which is baseball in the world of sports. And um, I don't have any insight. I unfortunately didn't write so much about sports and baseball in the book, but I think it's 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 not. They're still losing mm-hmm. players. We still don't have a system between the MLB and Cuba's baseball industry worked out no, come on. for training will we, games. Will we? I think I mean, we will. When, when do I get? No, a, I think we will. When do I get? Look, a I mean, I think I think. Sixth Avenue. Well, that's a lot different than when do you get to go to spring training in Havana. Okay, and I think spring idea. training in Havana is probably closer to Cuban cigars on 6th Avenue because the commerce regulations, this is wonky, haven't been set up yet to export Cuban agricultural goods to the United States, which is too bad because Cuba has 27 microclimates and could be feeding the eastern seaboard with all kinds of niche, fancy fruits and vegetables. See, that, that's, that's just great knowledge. Julie like, thank you so much. Congratulations. Without question, the cover of the year. For any book, Air Force One landing above two dilapidated cars. If we're going to spring Cuba. training, what's Cuban beer like? There's yeah, two brands of Cuban beer, you the light fun. beer and the heavier beer. And I would strongly suggest the heavier beer unless you're gluten-free and then you're, you're Well, stopped. we are not gluten-free. There we go. <laughs> well, I am. So there's a problem the for me. you're getting all day. There it is. Cuba. Cuba, what everyone needs to know. Julia Swag, look for it in about three weeks. Third edition, Julia Swag with D17 uh, strategies. Uh, negative 113 on the Dow. The VIX up a full big figure, 15.17. Uh, yen stability after strong and then stronger yen through the morning, 109.26. Quickly, Michael, the auto industry, what do we what do we think? What's the summary? Uh, well, we're, we're still adding up the numbers, but Ford yeah. and General Motors come in much weaker than expected, and Fiat Chrysler comes in just a, a skosh better than forecast. So it, yeah. it doesn't look good unless it's a market share thing and some of the mm-hmm. foreign marks uh, have better, uh, better months. Right. This Wednesday, we begin a three-day vigil for our Taylor Riggs studying for Level 2, the CFA. A moment of silence, please.